people say that I am? Jesus, people say that you're Elijah, that you're a prophet, that you're just somebody really, really special. You're a good teacher. But Peter, who do people, who do you say that I am? Well, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. Oh, Peter, I'm so proud of you. You got it. You got it. You've heard me. You've listened well. You've got it. You're right on track, man. You're just going to do great. You're going to do awesome things. Everything's just, just going to be wonderful. By the way, I'm going to have to suffer a lot as the Messiah, and that's just something that's going to have to happen. No, Jesus, I will not have it. That's not going to happen to you. That's not how this is going to work. Nope, 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 no way, no how. Oh, Peter, get with the program. Oh, Peter, come on, it's okay. It's okay. We'll get through this together. You still have so many more things to learn. There's so much more that we've got to do together. So come on, let's get with it. We've been talking this month about grace. We've been talking about what is grace. We started out with some general ideas of grace. We started out that grace is a gift from God, that God initiates grace. We talked about that God's grace is free for all and free in all. We talked about that everything comes from grace. What comes from grace? What comes from grace? What comes from grace? Everything comes from grace. Everything comes from grace. And last week we talked about that John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, said that there is one grace, but it comes to us in three kinds. And that those three kinds are like markers along the Christian faith that take us from no faith to mature faith. And last week we talked about prevenient grace, which is a grace that covers us from the time that we are born until we accept Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we talked about that time being active and the Holy Spirit just moving all around and dancing around and whispering in our ears, hey, Jesus is totally cool. You need to get to know him and God loves you. We talked about that last week. This week we're talking about justification. Everybody say justification. 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 Justification, justification. justification is being made right with God. It is to make right, is to make righteous. Now, mind you, it's God that does the making and making of righteousness. But it's that moment in time when we become right with God. We can think about reconciliation. I mentioned last week with prevenient grace that our response to prevenient grace is to turn around, is to turn around and turn to God and to turn to Jesus and to start that repaired relationship that reconciliation. Well, that's what we see in justification. John Wesley says that there is one necessary condition to justification. All right, but Katie, you've just said that God's love comes to us free, that it's in all people, that God loves all people. So how can there be a condition on God's grace? Well, here's what John Wesley says. Justification is a sure trust and confidence that Christ died for my sins, that he loves me and gave himself for me, and at what time soever a sinner thus believes, be it in childhood, in the strength of his or her years, 
or when he or she is old and hoary-haired. God justifieth that ungodly one. God, for the sake of God's son, pardoneth and absolveth him or her. It's that time when we go from God saved the world to that means God saved me. Me. When we accept that Jesus loves the world, it means Jesus loves me. Me. It's when grace becomes personal. Justification is personal. Say justification is personal. Justification is personal. When you think of this grace, I want you to think of personal. Personal. It's about he loves me. So I want you to do this with me. I want you to say that Jesus loves me, but I want, to ta- I want you to take your hand and really pound it right here into your heart and emphasize that me word. So say it with me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I was raised in the church. I cannot remember a time when I was not a part of the church. I cannot remember a time when I didn't know who Jesus was. I cannot remember a time when I didn't know that Jesus loved me. I can't recall a time like that. I went to vacation Bible school. I went to Sunday school. There are still Sunday school teachers who remember me from the church where I grew up. I was active in the youth group. I probably was even present in the youth group, knowing me. That probably happened. And I was active in a Methodist campus ministry when I was in college. It's just something that's always been around me. But I can think of two things that happened while I was in college that sort of equate to this idea of justification, this realization that it's it's personal. In my freshman year of college, I was in an abusive relationship. And when I came out of that, I really struggled with this whole, okay, but God is love. You told me that God loves. You told me that God is love. Well, then if God is love, then how come God let this happen to me? How come I went through this if God really loves me? It's a very common thing that happens when we go from having our parents' faith to needing to have our own faith. How could God let this happen to me? So I got mad at God, which, by the way, is perfectly fine because you can't be mad at something that you think doesn't exist. I think it's okay to be mad at God because at least I'm saying, God, I know you're still there. I'm just mad at you right now. And I was in a time of prayer, arguing with God. You sometimes do that. You know the painting of Jesus knocking on the door? You know that painting? That happened, and God said, all right, Katie, enough of this. It's time for you to come back around. And I said, "Uh uh-uh, nope, because, you know, I feel like I can negotiate with God. Yeah, no. But I said no, because I trusted you once, and this happened. I'm not going to trust you again. Well, the door opened, but only Jesus' big toe came through. And then a little while later, his his foot came through, and a little while later, most of his leg came through. I did not open that door and let Jesus back in. I was in a not exactly trusting mood. A few years later, I was at a retreat. And something happened during that retreat where I had just the briefest glimpse 
of what God's love for me is like. And it was like this. Somebody had taken a pail of water and had poured cold water all over me and it just kept coming and it just kept coming and it just kept coming and I was just overwhelmed with this idea of how much God can love. I was just overwhelmed in that and in that moment it was, oh my gosh, Jesus loves me. And it went from Jesus loved the whole world to Jesus loves me. Me. It's when that grace and that faith became very, very personal. Very personal. John Wesley says that justification is a moment in time. Now, I don't like to disagree with John Wesley. I think he's fine, and I agree with what he's saying. But for some of us, particularly if we are raised in the church, it's more like it keeps coming back around because we kind of have to take it in little bites, in little pieces. And before I knew it, that door was wide open and Jesus was inside. I don't know how Jesus opened that door and got in, and I don't know exactly when it happened. It just sort of did. And I realized what that love was. So sometimes we've got to keep coming back around. At least that's my experience. That's my experience. John Wesley teaches that justification is a birth. It is the birth of the Christian life. It is when the Christian life begins. Remember, prevenient grace carries us from the time of our physical birth until that time that we accept that Jesus is Lord and Savior. So it is a birth. It's a birth of a new kind of life. It's a birth into Christianity. And it is a birth that wipes the slate clean. We use the word pardon. Everybody say pardon. Pardon. All right, now I heard this story. I have no idea if it's true or if it's just a good story, a good, a good moral tale, but it works. It works for this scenario. So this is the story that I've heard. There was a man convicted of a crime. He was sent to prison. The family fought hard with petitions and letters and and anything they could to try and get this man out of jail. And finally it went to the governor's desk and he relented and he granted this man a pardon. The man in prison said, no, I did what I've been convicted of. I am guilty. I deserve to be in prison. I need to serve my time. Thank you, but no thank you. The governor had signed a pardon and the family had fought for it and the man's saying, no, I don't want it, so what are we going to do here? And it goes to the courts and the courts decide a pardon is not a pardon until it is received. God's gift of salvation for us is not complete until we accept it. God forgives but do we really know what that means until we accept it and we understand it? So this idea that Jesus is the Lord and Savior, Jesus can be your Lord and Savior, but is it really real until you accept it? With justification, the sin is wiped away. The slate is wiped clean because we say, God, that's what I want. I want that gift of salvation. Cleanse me, God. The results of all of this can be brought back and tied into the story with Jesus and Peter. 
This, this interaction that we have between Jesus and Peter in Scripture has grace dripping all over it from every direction. And I absolutely love it. Because Peter's been around Jesus. He's heard the stories of Jesus. And then Jesus says, who am I? And Peter says, you're it. You're it. You're the Messiah. And catch what Jesus tells him. Man didn't teach you that. God did. That's prevenient grace right there. The teaching in the ear, that whispering in the ear, this is who Jesus is, that's prevenient grace, and Peter's experiencing it. That's what John Wesley would say. And then we've got this moment that is just beautiful. That Jesus says, this is going to happen, and Peter says, no. And Jesus says, ah. Just because Peter got it doesn't mean that he didn't mess up again later in life. Just because we say, Jesus, I accept you, doesn't mean we're not going to mess up later in life. Right? Here's the blessing. When we backslide, grace kicks back in again. And grace kicks back in again and says, okay, okay, come on, let's come back around. Let's come back around. Jesus is good. You can trust Jesus. You can love him. Come on back around. And Jesus puts your arm around you and says, come on, we got some learning to do. we got some work to do. Let's get out. I love that. I love that. That when we say, Jesus, I accept you, it doesn't mean we're on our own now. It means that when we mess up again, grace is still there to bring us back. The results of justification or assurance. I want you to grab your hymnal and turn to hymn number 369. Turn to hymn number 369. I want us to read aloud together the words of this hymn. This is Blessed Assurance. I want us to read the words for verse 1 and verse 3 together. Is everybody there at 369? All right, let's read verse 1 together. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Now verse 3. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. All right, you can keep your finger there because we're going to sing that whole hymn in just a few minutes. There's an assurance that comes over us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, it's an assurance that Jesus is with us today in this life. And that we will experience life eternally in the presence of the Creator who loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. A gentleman I grew up with is named Bobby. We went to high school together. I wouldn't call him a friend. But we went to high school together. We were in the same youth group at the same church, lived in the same neighborhood. We even both went to Auburn. I went to the Methodist campus ministry. He went to another one. When he got to this other one, he sat down with the director of the ministry, and the director of the ministry said, are you going to heaven? And Bobby looked right at him and said, yes. And the director said, then I can't offer you anything. 
that just stuns me because I know without question that I have accepted Christ and I know that even though I'm going to mess up in my life, grace is still going to bring me back around and Christ isn't going where and that, that salvation is still mine even though I can mess it up. God's still going to love me. I know without question I'm going to see my mother. No doubt about it. I know that's coming. That's the result of justification is that assurance. That assurance that runs through us, that peace that runs through us, that we can say, yeah, Jesus and I, we got it. Does that mean that we're going to have doubts some days? Of course. Does that mean that we're going to have questions? Of course. Does that undo our faith? No. No. Because doubts and questions are an opportunity to build up that faith. That's the assurance. Provenient grace is the grace that goes before. From our physical birth until we understand and really accept Jesus loves me. Do it with me again. Jesus loves me. Come on, guys, do it with me. Jesus loves me. Me. God loves you. That is justification. In the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. David, you going to usher for us this morning? Well, not yet. Hang on. Stick in your seat just a minute.